Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessings to all of you this day, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. In the Western Church, today is the fourth Sunday in the season of Lent, and it's known by the Latin name Laetare, meaning rejoice. And indeed, some may find it odd that this is so. After all, what has rejoicing to do with Lent? You know as well as I do that we're now several weeks into a penitential season, a season marked by sober reflection on our wretchedness as sinners and by earnest devotion to the Lord. So why call for rejoicing and name this Sunday Laetare? Why appoint an Old Testament text from Isaiah where heaven and earth are commanded to sing for joy and for the mountains also to erupt with songs of praise? What is the meaning of these things? Dear friends, with all the hardships that we endure and all the challenges we face, both in our journey through life as Christians and in our Lenten journey to the cross and tomb of Jesus, if you find it refreshing and encouraging to hear the scriptures speak of joy, of shouts of praise, and spiritual songs being poured out unto the Lord, you are in good company. That's exactly the point. Laetare is a day set apart in the season of Lent for relief, for refreshment and rejoicing among all the saints in Christ Jesus. It's a day for the intensity of Lent to be lessened and for all of you, dear ones, to be uplifted in the Spirit of God and to be made glad in your innermost being to have your mind renewed by the unfading light of God's word, to regain your strength by the sacrament of the altar, and to have your heart set aglow, burning with desire, finally to reach the end of the journey. And in anticipation of what lies just beyond the horizon, both of this Lenten season and of our life as a whole, even in the difficulty of it all, we have the joy that the world cannot know. We are given to rejoice when the world sees no reason for doing so. For we know that at long last we shall behold the divine glory of our risen Savior. We shall indeed gaze upon the splendor of his glorious scars, those precious marks on his body, which secured for us salvation. And this sure and certain hope of what's soon to come is yours by faith. It will surely strengthen your resolve and help keep you going. This hope will sustain you in time of need. And if you, if you permit me to speak boldly 
and candidly, for but a few more moments, I would offer you still more encouragement in the Lord. Our Lenten pilgrimage will soon be at an end. And most importantly, so will our grand pilgrimage toward our heavenly fatherland, that eternal place prepared by our Lord for us, where we shall at last be at rest. And be certain of this, in Christ you are able to finish the journey. In Him you are able to run the race set before you, to see it through to completion, even if you don't see how. Christ Jesus is your strength and your song, and in his wisdom, he will surely supply your every need. I stand before you now as one fully convinced of these things in my mind. I am convicted of them in my spirit, and I could wish nothing more than for Christ our Lord to breathe this same confidence into you, that you would be made strong in the Spirit of God, to stay the course, trusting always in Christ's mercy, and press on in faith, reaching towards the glory of what lies ahead. This is my heart's desire for all of you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, for each and every one. And I would have you know that it is an honor for me to be alongside you, you blood-bought saints in Christ, as we journey forward together in faith. And as we turn now to our Old Testament text for today, we have before us here something altogether worthy of our attention, something very much worthy of praise, and that is this. What we have in our Old Testament lesson in context is none other than the servant of the Lord. That is the suffering servant who is Christ our Lord, being consoled and encouraged, but not just from anyone. It is, in fact, God the Father speaking to his incarnate Son from on high. Blessed are we this day, we who have been given the supreme privilege, the infinite honor to listen in on part of a dialogue from within the most holy trinity, a dialogue which surely fills all the holy angels with delight. Truly, the Lord in this way has seen fit to honor us all, not by laying upon us golden necklaces, or jewelry made with precious stones, but rather by adorning our ears, our hearts, and our minds with the glory of his holy word, with, in this text, consolation and encouragement given by our Father in heaven to his beloved Son, wherein he promises the salvation of many. In the verses of Isaiah 49, just prior to those of our text, the suffering servant had voiced a complaint unto the Lord. The servant recalls how the Lord had called him from his mother's womb and from the body of his mother even named his name. The servant recounts how the Lord had equipped him for his task 
of gathering God's wayward people back to him. He remembers how the Lord had made his mouth like a sharp two-edged sword. That is, his words were filled with great power and authority, living and active in every way. He recalls also how the Lord declared over him, you are my servant in whom I will be glorified. But despite these things, the suffering servant was rejected and faced terrible scorn throughout his ministry and work. For the very people for whom he was sent were spiritually blind and deaf. They became hostile against him. And in seeing the wondrous things the servant did, they could not see who he really was. And in hearing his divine preaching and the heavenly mysteries of which he spoke, still the people of the Lord, the people of God, would not hear his call to return, that he would save them and have compassion on them. They would not do it. And so in the anguish of his heart, the suffering servant says, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. The suffering servant was rejected and scorned by those for whom he came. They despised him. And yet even still, this servant faithfully entrusted all things into the hands of the Lord. He trusted God despite the apparent futility of his labor, despite the apparent fruitlessness of it all. And the Lord did not ignore the complaint of his servant. He did not turn a deaf ear to his lament. Immediately prior to our text for today, the Lord responds this way. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Dear friends, behold the glory of our Lord's response to the complaint of his suffering servant. Beginning in verse 8 of our text, behold the promise God the Father gave to his beloved Son, that he would surely help him in the day of salvation, that is, on the third day, when the Father would raise him from the dead. The servant would be answered in a time of favor after laying down his life for the sin of the world and would thus be raised for our justification. His labor would by no means be carried out in vain, for this lowly servant would soon be highly exalted and have bestowed on him the name that is above every name, to the end that kings shall indeed arise, that finally princes shall prostrate before him, 
and that one day every knee will bow with tongues confessing that he is truly Lord. Behold, God the Father has given his suffering servant as a covenant to the people, a new covenant, a new testament even. And there is no greater testimony of God's grace and goodwill towards men than the blood of his incarnate Son poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Truly the Lord has been faithful to keep his promises even where we have been faithless. And this is for us great gain. It's why we rejoice even in the midst of Lent. For in keeping his promises, he has crushed the head of the ancient serpent through the holy cross of Christ. God has thus reconciled the world to himself and in his son has made atonement for all our sins. He has comforted his people in the Lord Jesus and has had compassion on his afflicted ones, which includes you, O weary Christian pilgrims, O blessed people of God journeying towards our heavenly home. Yours is the hope of salvation. Yours is the forgiveness of sins in Jesus. So sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth then, O mountains, into singing, and let all this house of God ring out with rejoicing. Let yourself be made glad by the word of God this day, and let songs of praise come forth unhindered from within your heart, as though it were the very harp of the Holy Spirit. And to Christ our Lord be all power, honor, and glory, both now and into the coming ages. Amen.